So in the media, uh, the opa has really been dubbed this, this warm-blooded fish. And uh, we don't use that term in our paper. We use uh, the term endothermic. Um, and lots of people use the term warm-blooded. It's a term that we've grown up with school, in school, grade school, warm-blooded versus cold-blooded mammals versus lizards and snakes and things like that. Um, but, you know, the term is kind of interesting because what about a snake that's sitting on the desert, in the desert, in the sand, and it's the same temperature as that sand, maybe 110, 120 degrees. That sounds like kind of warm blood to me. And so scientists don't really like the term warm-blooded and cold-blooded. We use the terms endothermic and ectothermic. Uh, the term endothermic is what we call the OPA. It means endo, means inside, and therm is related to temperature. And so you have uh, an animal that produces its own heat from inside its body through metabolic processes. Yeah, so the OPA produces its heat. All organisms actually produce heat. It's the ability to retain that heat which uh, sets the OPA apart from, from other fish. And the OPA produces its heat through metabolic processes, um, but the main process is through its continuous swimming. And so the OPA has these very, very large pectoral muscles uh, that it uses for swimming. And so they actually swim actually different than most other fish. Most fish use their tails, and the OPA can use its tail as well. But the OPA produces most of its forward momentum through flapping its pectoral fins, and so it kind of flies through the water. So it looks kind of almost like a penguin underwater. And these very large muscles produce heat, and they're covered um, and protected from the outside environment by a, a pretty thick layer of fat, almost about a centimeter thick. Um, and if you actually take a cut through an OPA, um, that fat layer actually looks very similar to uh, blubber in a whale. And so that's how it's able to insulate itself uh, from the environment. Now fish have another problem for keeping their bodies warm. Fish breathe water. And when you're in water, it's really hard to maintain your body temperature. Uh, you think about going into a swimming pool, for example. So you and I are in this room. It's, you know, 68, 70 degrees in here. We're pretty comfortable. Uh, you go into the ocean or a swimming pool at uh, 68, 70 degrees, you get cold very fast. And that's because water has this amazing ability to absorb heat. And so if you're a fish and you're producing heat, not only do you have to protect the outside of your body, but you have to protect the gills. So what happens with the fish is that it breathes water, and so as that water goes to the gills, it's going to encounter the water and it's going to lose all of its heat. And so what OPA have is this really amazing mechanism called uh, and, and structure called a countercurrent heat exchanger. And essentially what it is, is when as blood goes towards the gills, and this is warm blood that's circulating through the body, it arrives at the gills and it meets blood vessels coming back from the gills. And these blood vessels, so it's the blood's going to the gills to get oxygen, the blood vessels coming back are carrying oxygen back to the body. And these blood vessels are very close together. And what it does is it essentially transfers all the heat from these warm vessels to the blood coming back from the gills. And so it basically transfers the heat across blood vessels, and so that heat never arrives at the gill surfaces. And it's a very, very, very cool adaptation. Yeah, right, so most fish are ectothermic, so they're dependent on their environment for their temperature. They'll be the same temperature as the water. Uh, the OPA, which is endothermic um, and able to heat up its body, has a number of advantages. Um, I teach a course at, uh, or, or I give a guest lecture at, uh, for Scripps Institution of Oceanography about thermal strategies. And the example that I always get, and this is an experiment you can go home and, and, and do with your kids or grandkids, a uh, fun experiment is you take a beetle, go in your backyard, catch a beetle, and put them in a Tupperware and you can chase them around. 
And that beetle will run around real fast trying to avoid your finger. You take that beetle and put them into the refrigerator and leave them in there for half an hour or an hour. Come back and you try to encourage that beetle to move away from your finger and it probably won't even move. It's not dead. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It might move very, very slowly, but at colder temperatures, all the reactions inside the body slow down. And so now you have this beetle that its muscle contractions are slower. It can't really move very fast. Okay, so let's bring that back to the opa, right? So the opa, having a warmer body in a, in, in a cold, kind of deep environment where it lives, it's able to have um, faster reactions within its body. So muscle contractions are faster. They produce more power. Uh, neurological reactions are faster. Um, sensory uh, input is faster. Um, visual resolution is increased. And all of these things are advantageous. And so you put this warm-bodied fish in an environment where it's surrounded by fish that are the same temperature as the water, much colder than it is. And it has a really distinct advantage, especially for a hungry fish. So there are other fish that can warm parts of their body. Um, there are just a handful. So of about 30,000 fish species out there, there's about 30 or so that can warm parts of their bodies. We call these regional endotherms regionally warming up parts of their body. So this includes things like tunas, um, the lambded sharks, which includes uh, the mako and the great white, and then also the common thresher shark. Uh, they can warm up um, some of their swimming muscles, and sometimes, in some cases their uh, visceral organs, so their digestive organs. And then there's another group of animals or a group of fish that can warm up the eye and brain region. Um, What's different about the OPA and what makes it special is that these animals are kind of regional endotherms. They can only warm up certain, certain parts of their body, which is very advantageous. Warming up the eye and brain allows for better, better uh, visual resolution, for example. But what's neat about the OPA is it can warm up its entire body. And that sets it apart from all other fish. And it means that all of its body is essentially operating. It's kind of an interesting story how we discovered this. We weren't going out and looking for this fish that uh, is warm-blooded. Um, in fact, um, we kind of stumbled upon it um, um, opportunistically. So um, I did my PhD research on um, the gills of fast-swimming fish, so things like mako sharks and tunas, um, and looking at how they absorb the oxygen they need. Um, and so over the years, I kind of gained this reputation of, of knowing a lot about fish gills. And, uh, a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, Nick, you know, we've been going on this uh, scientific research cruise, and we've been, uh, this last year, we've been catching opa. And he said, would you like me to bring back some, some opa gills? And I kind of was like, well, there's nothing really that cool about opa. You know, it's kind of this deep-dwelling fish. I don't really know much about it. I wasn't actually that interested. But since I had gained this reputation of being this gill person that I really liked gills, I said, sure, you know, bring me some gills, and, and I'll take a look at them. And so he brought me some gills. He uh, put them into, we preserved them in, in um, some formaldehyde, and, we, uh, and they basically sit, they basically sat in a bucket for, for months, and I didn't even look at them. And my friend finally came up to me and said, hey, Nick, have you looked at those gills yet? And I said, no, I haven't done it, but I'm going to do it soon. And so I went um, and I looked at those gills, and, and when I cut into them, I immediately noticed something that I had never seen before, nobody had ever seen before. And what it was was these just elaborate grouping of blood vessels inside the gill arch, which formed this countercurrent heat exchanger. And once I saw that, I said, I wonder what that could be for. 
And then we started doing uh, some different experiments where we actually started measuring temperature in these animals and found out that they can circulate warm blood throughout the body. I don't know if there's other endothermic fish out there. Uh, there is, so the opa, uh, Lampris gutatus, has a sister species called the southern opa. Um, I'm very interested to look at this fish. Um, it's got a, a very similar body shape. It uses its pectoral muscles to swim, we think. We don't know it, hardly anything about it. It's found in the southern ocean in even a colder habitat where being able to warm up its body might be even more advantageous. So I'm really hoping to be able to get my hands on one of those. In terms of other fish out there, I, you know, I don't think so, but I wouldn't have ever said that there was a fish that could warm up its entire body before we discovered this one. So it kind of just goes to show how little we know about some of the organisms that are out there in the ocean.